When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. The Sporting Capital on SEN, your home of sport. Coming up uh, across uh, the next hour, more reaction from uh, Brisbane being announced as the holder of the 2032 Olympic Games. We just didn't quite have the late one Antonio Semaranch to do it. The honours this year, like he did with uh, Sydney all those uh, years ago. The winner is Sydney. It's the same sort of euphoria when Anastasia Palaszczuk got off her chair about half an hour ago. We're going to hear from her very shortly, the Queensland Premier uh, and... uh, Others who are alongside her, including uh, John Coates, the uh, president of the Australian Olympic Committee. Happy to, for you to have your say this hour. one three hundred seven three six seven three six, or on the temper text, a mattress like no other, 0433 98 uh, You are right. I, I, I had it in my mind that uh, the Gabba was certainly going to get a refurbishment. I think that was discussed in the early part, but uh, clearly, uh, as we've seen the last uh, couple of months and as been highlighted by your great selves out there on the text. Thank you for that. The Gabba to be torn down, upgraded to a 50,000-seat stadium. I was just having a look at a few of the new designs, and it needs it, no doubt. So it'll be there for the Olympics. You need a, a nice home for the opening and closing ceremony, at least, and then the legacy beyond that uh, for football and and cricket. Let's have a listen to the Queensland Premier, Anastasia Palaszczuk, the Lord Mayor of Brisbane, Adrian Schrinner, and also John Coates, the president of the AOC, on the announcement uh, just a short time ago. And I'd like to thank our partners, the federal government, the Brisbane City Council and the Queensland government uh, for taking this challenge up, for working with us. And we look forward to continuing this team over the next 11 years. And thanks, everyone, for your support. Thanks. Thanks, John. Thanks, Adrian. Thanks, Anastasia. This is an extraordinarily exciting time for Australia to bring the Olympics back for just the third time. We're one of two countries who have competed in every modern Olympic Games. Uh, We've competed in every Paralympic Games. We've competed in every Winter Olympics since 1936, with the exception of 1948. Uh, So we have a very proud tradition. Uh, This will do an enormous amount for our athletes. To those young Australians who are sitting on the couches tonight aspiring to be an athlete, the chance to compete on home soil in Brisbane 2032 is yours. Uh, So this is a huge night for Australia, a huge opportunity, uh, and it's been wonderful to be part of a team. Uh, The State Government, the Brisbane City Council and the South East Council of Mayors, the Australian Olympic Movement and the Paralympic Movement to bring together this bid tonight. It is hugely exciting and uh, a lot of work to do now between now and 32, uh, but so much for us all to look forward to. Thank you. Uh, Mr Coates and Premier, 
if I can ask you both this question. This is a moment that's really been uh, decades in the making for Brisbane. What do you think it was that ultimately gave Queensland uh, the edge? And what can you tell us about the conversations that were happening behind the scenes at the IOC and, and how our picture was uh, received here? Um, I'll, I'll let John go into a bit more detail, but I think that from the outset it was definitely the cooperation of all three levels of government. That stood out for the IOC, that here you can see all levels of government prepared to put everything aside and put the interests of the city, the state and the nation above everything else. And we work best when we work together. I also think that the International Olympic Committee was blown away tonight with the the presentations of how beautiful our state is and we want to welcome people back to Queensland after the pandemic and celebrate in true Queensland style and like Richard said too this is about all of the future it's about the young people sitting at home tonight dreaming that impossible dream but these dreams can come true so we also wish all of our athletes all the very best as they compete here in Tokyo good luck to Team Australia Yes, this has been uh, 35 years in the making, but when we were a candidate in 85, 86, um, we weren't ready. And um, at the time, it had to be one city, had to be one city. It, um, uh, the rules now let us engage with other regions, engage them, and um, as, as has happened in the Winter Games for quite some time, uh, Brisbane's matured. Brisbane will continue to mature over the next 11 years, particularly with the infrastructure investment that the federal government and the state government have committed to. Um, so it's um, took a while coming, but it's, the city's maturing, has matured, and um, it's just a wonderful opportunity for us. And uh, I, uh, I was never sure how I'd feel this time, <laughs> second time round. I second contract I've signed, and. Um, Every bit is emotional, I can tell you. What is the feedback about Queensland tonight here with other members? Oh, well, I, I, I could tell as we made the presentation that we were resonating. There's no doubt about it. Um, we resonated with the Future Host Commission. Their report was so positive um, on us. The, um, the work that had been done first into the feasibility by the Council of Mayors of South East Queensland, then your value um, assessment, uh, the federal government. Um, a lot of work went into this, it just wasn't this presentation. Uh, a lot of work with the international federations on nailing the master planning, get the venues in the right uh, places, proximate to training and um, the villages. So it was a very, very sophisticated, good bid, and the members and the federations understood that. So the voices of John Coates, the president of the AOC, the Brisbane uh, Lord Mayor, uh, Adrian Schrinner, and you heard the Queensland Premier there as well, Anastasia Palaszczuk, on the back of Brisbane being announced as the winner of the bid for the 2032 Olympic Games. Not that they have a great deal of uh, competition, but I think uh, for all of us that have been around Australia, we'd acknowledge that uh, Brisbane has come a hell of a long way uh, as a city. And just to have the Olympic Games in Australia, again, I mean, I... I was just thinking about it as I was listening uh, to uh, that press conference that um, it's, you know, it's it, it, the Olympics, it's interesting. I mean, this is a, you know, this is unprecedented, this build-up to Tokyo. And I, I want to put it out there just about your own excitement level about the Olympics. Are you actually looking forward to it? I mean, it maybe, you know, during this lockdown that we're all going through, it might just be 
the perfect sort of tonic and little spirit lifter that we need because uh, the Olympics does get us generally excited, but are you into it? Are you happy that Australia, another destination in Australia, has been given the Olympic Games? We know that uh, for Sydney, people travelled far and wide all across Australia to uh, come to the uh, the Sydney Olympics uh, 21 years ago. So I'd love to get your reaction to that. one three hundred seven three six seven three six or on the temper text 0433981116. And maybe go down memory lane as well. I mean, I was talking to Raylene Boyle last night about her silver medals in Mexico City and uh, Munich there, late 60s, uh, early 70s. What's the one Olympic moment that has absolutely captivated you, the one that's just got you off your couch. Maybe it's a sport that you'd never ever watched before that you took in. So I'd love your uh, your best Olympic memories uh, tonight as we build up to some live action a little bit later on. The Matildas taking on uh, New Zealand. Of course, we'll get right into the cut and thrust of it uh, come uh, Friday night with the, the opening ceremony. So Happy to take some calls on that. If you want to uh, certainly talk about and weigh into the Sam Mitchell situation, you've heard from Sam uh, today. Jake Stringer for the Bombers fans out there, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 The right deal to sign him to a three-year contract. Uh, David Mundy, I think, has got universal admiration from everyone who certainly uh, loves their footy. So you can weigh into whatever you like uh, tonight, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. As we continue to just uh, capture some of the uh, news of the day, uh, John Longmire, I just want to have a listen to the Swans coach. We saw the emotion from him across the weekend. Of course, players being pulled out of his team last minute, six goals down. They come back and have a huge win against uh, the Giants. They're staying in uh, Queensland to take on Fremantle at Metricon Stadium come uh, Sunday. But... Uh, John Longmire on whether the season should be paused. He was asked that by Jared Waitley today. Uh, well, I mean, there is a, uh, there has to be a consideration of it, but I'm not sure what the alternative is. If it was a pause, uh, I don't know what that looks like. And, and um, I think it's one thing to say, it'd be good if everyone could take a breath and, and, uh, and maybe sit back and assess things, reunite families and things like that. But how does that look in, a, in reality? Um, and then how long does it take the season to get going again? So um, I, it's a very complex situation, very complex question. It it's probably needs a bit more thought to it than, than I've had time to put to. Yeah, he's certainly got his own issues to deal with at Clubland, the AFL, with the, the bigger picture to look after between now and the end of the year. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Just one off the text, BP. Ash Barty, delight the Brisbane 2032 flame. That would be nice, wouldn't it, for Ash, who uh, arrived in Tokyo last night, uh, not staying in the Olympic Village, but took a huge chance to maybe win uh, Olympic gold. Uh, Danny's in Patterson Lakes. Uh, Danny, great to have you on the show. Yeah, g'day, mate. That's fantastic news for the whole of Australia. Um just uh, one of my memories, uh, just as a kid, you're probably too young, was Dean Lucan. Um, I was never into weightlifting <laughs> or anything like that, yes. but um, that's a childhood memory I'll never, ever forget. And to see him about 10 years later being interviewed, he was about 75 kilos, and half of what he was, and it was just amazing to, to see that. Um, that was a, a life, lifetime memory. But I just want to know, does this mean um, Brisbane's going to have to build a like a 100,000-crowd stadium or extend one of the stadiums? Because you don't see many small stadiums having opening ceremonies and closing ceremonies. No, what, they, are they, what are their plans for that? Yeah, so, Danny, they're going to basically bulldoze the Gabba, which at the moment holds, I think, just over 40,000, around about 42. So they, they, certainly what we're reading is they're going to 
upgrade that to 50,000, totally bulldoze the Gabba. It, it needs a refurbishment, absolutely. <laughs> of all the stadiums around Australia, that's the one that hasn't really been touched for um, you know, quite some time now. So it'll be, yeah, 50,000 uh, capacity. So I'm just trying to think off the top of my head how that uh, compares to Rio, uh, to London, in terms of capacity, we know that you know Stadium Australia in Sydney. I think it was around about uh, eighty thousand. I think for the opening uh, ceremony, more it was about a hundred. Okay, yeah, right. So I think it's it came back to eighty, didn't it? Um, as a capacity after the Olympic Games. So there you go. So yeah, around about uh, fifty is what we're what we're hearing, Danny. Have you got uh, part for just, just while I've got you, Dean Lucan? Was that what Olympic Games was it? Just off the top of my head, I'm just trying to think. I think it was late 70s. I was, I was just turned a teenager, I'm pretty sure. I reckon it was early. I'm just thinking maybe it was the early 80s for Dean Lucan. So where were we? 84 Los Angeles, 88 Seoul. Might have been Los Angeles, possibly. Okay. Might have been that, yeah. There you go. I know I was a teenager. <laughs> Good on you, Danny. I appreciate your call. So, yeah, that, that's the word we're hearing. The Gabba will get a, a, a nice refurb and a seating upgrade. Uh, Chook's in Pakenham. Chook, welcome to the Sporting Capital. Yeah, get it. G'day, mate. How are you going? Good, thank you. That's the way. Um, I just wanted to know, it's not a, my best memory of the Olympics or whatever, but I was more interested in why are the Olympic, some Olympic um, events happening before the opening ceremony oh, on no. Friday? Oh, I know. It, it's always bemused me, to be totally honest. Um, logistics, uh, we know that not everything's in, uh, not everything's in Tokyo. So obviously, as John Coates, I think, pointed out, one of the uh, the new rules with the Olympic Games over the years is that obviously one city had to bid, but you could uh, stretch the events to different regions and, and different parts uh, of the state. And we've seen, um, gee, we, didn't we see with uh, the Sydney Games, I think the football competition was played uh, outside of Australia. It was in Melbourne. I think it might have been in Canberra, up in Brisbane as well. So that was spread uh, to the, the football venues uh, around Australia. But, yeah, it's it's sort of strange, isn't it, to have the competition starting before the opening ceremony. And in this case, uh, gee, hardly the, any of the Australian athletes will be uh, will be marching. So it's going to be uh, very different. Have you, got a, have you got a memory at all, Chuck? Have you got anything that comes to mind when you think of the Olympic Games? Uh, for me, being I'm born in 85, it yep. was Cathy Freeman for sure. Oh, yeah. Stands out for me. No doubt. Yeah. No doubt. Uh, yeah, great moment. Cheers. Brilliant. Good on you, Chuck. Thank you. Oh, come on. <laughs> no, geez, he's uh, swift on the buttons tonight. Uh, Mark is up in Sydney. Uh, g'day, Mark. Welcome. Hello, Mark. Yeah, hello, BP. Can you hear me? I can, mate. Welcome. Thank you. i just like to say that I think that uh, the Clarko coaching transition is being handled a lot more smoothly and intelligently than the Collingwood coaching transition they had some years back with Mick Mulhouse going to Nathan Buckley. What are you, what are you noticing? What are you observing as the, the difference, Mark? Well, there's not, as, there's not as much controversy, basically. I mean, yes, it's had its initial stage as a controversy, say, before today, but once you had uh, Sam come out this morning and talk to Jared, I think it was, and he was talking about how... Um, not, you know, non-controversial the coaching handover seems to be going and how he wasn't trying to assert Clarko's position a year earlier than intended and that he wanted to work with Box Hill, I believe it was, their feeder team. It just made a lot... It just made me appreciate how much more down-to-earth, how much more reasonable 
and how much more intelligently they seem to be doing it. Yeah, I heard Dwayne uh, make a, a comment today uh, in, in his time of dealing with Nathan Buckley and dealing with Sam Mitchell, just how different people they are and characters. And once again, until you've had that sort of first-hand experience, it's it's hard to make uh, a proper judgment on all of that. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think in the early part, certainly with uh, Mick and Bucks, you know, there wasn't that. You know, I th- think back to that press conference with Eddie, and I mean, there wasn't cl- the clear tension just then. I mean, it, it certainly unfolded, and it corresponded with Collingwood, you know, in contention to win a premiership while Mick was still there, and that that added a bit more uh, to it all. Whereas Hawthorne right now are in a very different situation. I mean, they're second last. It's you know, they're certainly not from what we can see, going to take a massive jump to probably play finals next year. That that young team needs another year to build. So different circumstances with the, st- the status of the team. So that's why I think, that's why I'm, I'm more convinced as I think out loud about this, that Alistair Clarkson would want to stay at Hawthorne and actually really help set up this group for its next premiership tilt, rather than bow out this year with the team winning a handful of games. Um, just, and, and really set Sam up properly. I mean, they've had, you know, as Sam said today, a 20-year relationship, uh, a professional relationship. So I think we just let it play out. Good on you, Mark. Thank you for that. Uh, Matt is in Pakenham. G'day, Matt. Hey, how's it going? Um, I have a worst memory was in 2016 Rio Olympics in the, the Australian Boomers with Paddy Mills. Yep. I don't know if you remember that. We're down by one point yeah. um, about four seconds ago, and they called a really soft foul. Yeah. Just a kind of yep. yeah, it's a good. heartbreak, heartbreaker. What are you What are you thinking for the Boomers? Is I mean, there's some optimism, Matt, isn't there for Tokyo? Definitely. We probably say this every year or every time we have a big championship. It's our best team we could get. Besides Ben Simmons, I'm just hoping for a medal. At least, got to have a medal this year. I think. Yep. Brian back in charge. To weave his magic, the great uh, Brian Gorgian, hopefully. Yeah, the Boomers, uh, the Opals, we, we chatted to Michelle Timms on the show uh, last night. Obviously, Liz Cambodia, massive loss. Sarah Blitzars comes in to the squad. Um, how they're going to go, we, we don't quite know at this stage. I mean, Liz is such a, a presence uh, in that team. So uh, there's some great talent in Australian women's basketball. Absolutely, we uh, can't deny that. And also for our men, so fingers crossed they can... Uh, go further than they ever have before. Thank you for your call, Matt. Appreciate it. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. We'll come back with more calls after the break. Plenty on the text. I'll uh, get to those as well. 1984, absolutely LA. Dean Lucan. We might need to just uh, dig that up, uh, Mick, if we can, just to hear... Dean Lucan at full tilt. It was good memories. There you go. We'll take a break. Plenty more to come. Uh, Olympics, give us some memories. Give us some just some things off Broadway a little bit that will jog all of our memory. Just events that captured your heart at the Olympic Games uh, over the years. Come on, we've got to get a bit of Olympic spirit. This is tough times uh, being in COVID and bloody lockdowns. We need something to cheer about across the next fortnight. Plenty more to come. The Sporting Capital on SEN, your home of sport. This is logical thinking, of course. It gives him two attempts at this weight. He's already got the silver medal because he's already totaled 400 kilograms. So now if he gets this 240, 
he'll take the gold away from Mario Martinez. This is going to be a tremendous effort. He's got two lifts in which to do it. It's five kilos heavier than he's ever oh, lifted look before. At this. My word, this tremendous. is encouraging. Now, can he jerk it? Yes, he's he got can. It. Tremendous he's got it. effort. Or has oh. he? Let's yes, wait on he's him. got it. Let's wait and see. There he's got what a tremendous effort. And Have a look Paul at the folks. Paul Popper and Ralph Cashman. Oh, they're what jubilant. A sensational lift by Dean Lucan of Australia. What a tremendous effort. He was under incredible pressure. Paul Popper, the diminutive Australian team manager, waiting for Lucan. I hope he doesn't try and lift him up. Oh, there it is. Great memories of Dean Lucan, who's 61 uh, these days. Uh, also saw success in the Com Games, winning uh, gold medals in the super heavyweight division of the 1982 Brisbane uh, Commonwealth Games and the 1986 Edinburgh Games as well, as well as that gold, of course, uh, 1984 in Los Angeles. one uh, 736 736 Karen's out in sunshine. Karen, always great to have you on the show. Thank you. I'm um, enjoying your show. Um, Thank you. Members of the Olympics... Um uh, the opening ceremony of the Beijing Olympics was so impressive, very colourful. And um, when Stephanie Rice won three gold medals in the swimming event, yes. I know one of them was a relay, but um, the other two she won individually, and she broke down in tears. Oh, I should have seen the tears flow. Yep. Well, especially when she was on the, the dais. No I don't know what she does these days. What's she doing these days, Stephanie Rice? Yeah, Good question. I'll uh, look that up. Yeah, not. Uh, I haven't sort of had a, seen her name mentioned or seen her pop up anywhere. Um, Karen, if anyone can uh, help us out there, oh four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. Good on you, Karen. Thank you. Some good memories. One three hundred seven three six seven three sixteen. Lucan, the tuna fisherman from Port Lincoln. Absolutely. On the text, uh, Fruit Loops. I miss Tim's. Made that uh, just tidy that one up, uh, Michelle Timms. If you missed Timsy, she was on our show last night, so that has been podcast as part of the Sporting Capital. You can go and find that at sen.com.au or on the SEN app. Uh, the full interview with uh, an absolute legend of Australian basketball around Liz Cambage, and also just our Olympic chances uh, for the Opals. So that uh, full interview you can go back and uh, have a listen to. Uh, Wally from Blackburn South on the text. Here is a very cheeky move the Pies should make, and yes, it is tongue in cheek. So Wrighty gives Jeff Kennett a call and says, Jeffrey, the Pies will relieve you of Clarkson. As you need to pay him out $1 million for 2023, which will hit your soft cap, you can instead pay him a $1 million to coach us, and we will pay you $500,000. Win-win for all. Hawthorne offloads Clarkson. We get the best coach in the business for a first year at $500,000. Thank you, Wally. Let's move it into that one. BP, it's because various sports, in regard to sports starting before the opening ceremony, and this, I've got to say, this text actually, you know, it makes a lot of sense. It's still strange that we have the opening ceremony after some competition has started, but I get it. BP, it's because various sports take time to reach its climax. They must be wrapped up before the games end, so you work back and come up with a start date. That totally makes sense across all the Olympic disciplines. Now, a couple also uh, coming through here. What do we got? Hello. First memory was when Mum allowed me to stay up and watch the 1980 Moscow opening ceremony and a large Misha, the bear, an electronic scoreboard from Conrad 
uh, editor Glenn Waverley. I was a wee tacker, I've got to say, in uh, 1980. It's not quite coming to me, Conrad, but I will uh, dig that up. I remember the music uh, for the uh, Moscow uh, Olympic Games. I might try and dig that out of the system. My earliest memory was of Beverly Whitfield winning uh, gold at Munich. I was only nine. My greatest memory would be Kieran Perkins' unexpected 1,500 metres gold in Atlanta, I think. He was out in front, hanging on for 15 minutes. So exciting and enthralling. Great stuff. Thank you, uh, Bernie. I think we've got a bit of Kieran Perkins winning gold in Atlanta. Sit back and enjoy, folks. Expected. That's what makes them great. And we're seeing one now. Something out of the box. A great Australian is swimming away from this field. He was down and out yesterday, and suddenly he stood up. He wants to be counted. He's talking goals. Back with 50. One of the great swims of all time. Kieran Perkins, forget the time. This is all about courage. You are seeing the best of the best. You are a superstar, Kieran Perkins. There you go. I think it was Dennis. <laughs> uh, Dennis Kabati, thank you uh, for... Uh, uh, bringing us to Kieran Perkins Gold. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Anything you want to weigh in? Your Olympic memories? You can talk anything to do with the world of footy. There is plenty buzzing around tonight. We've heard from uh, Sam Mitchell. We've also heard from uh, Jake Stringer. We've heard from uh, David Mundy. We've also heard from Robert Harvey with the two new Collingwood uh, debutants. If you've got some insights into the Collingwood debutants, I'd love to hear um, a little bit more. Uh, in regard to that, uh, a couple of others uh, on the text. Uh, kind of hoped it was Rabs calling. <laughs> Anything uh, that Rabs calls is uh, damn good. Uh, that is for sure. I think that's everything we've had uh, on the text uh, tonight. Uh, just some other uh, bits and pieces uh, throughout the day I wanted to uh, bring you. The Suncorp Super Netball season. We spoke to Jeeva Mentor from Collingwood on Monday night. Gee, so much can change in the space of 24, 48 hours and uh, they've only got about three rounds left of the season and then finals and trying to get all the teams now up to uh, Queensland. Uh, that is uh, that is the challenge. Let's have a listen. Before I uh, hear from uh, Kelly Ryan, uh, the CEO of Super Netball, let's have a listen to that uh, the interview we had with the Collingwood Magpies captain, Jeeva Mentor, on the challenges of playing during uh, COVID. This was from the Sporting Capital on Monday night. Yeah, I mean, first and foremost, we're appreciative of the position that we're in and we know there's a lot of people out there doing it really tough and we're fortunate that we're able to guess, continue our um, career path and continue to play. Um, but having said that, it does become difficult. You rely so much on your network around you. You rely so much on your routines, um, particularly during the season. This is our second hub location. We're in New, or sort of third, sorry, we're in New South Wales for a chunk of time, then Queensland, then we're able to go back home and now we're obviously in South Australia. So it's with so much change and uncertainty, it does rattle things. It does take its toll, particularly when you're trying to sort of squeeze out every kind of um, performance um, you can and every kind of one percenter throughout the week um, with things changing or forever changing. And with not knowing who you're preparing for and your opposition face changes each week, um, it does make it tricky. And I, I definitely feel sorry for the coaching staff and um, who have to plan the week ahead and reviews and previews and then things get changed at the last minute and we have to uproot. So all credit to um, not just our team, but the, the whole eight team, Netball Australia and Suncorp Super Netball for trying to keep the league um, going. And I think the main thing now is just making sure everyone's sort of welfare and well-being is, is in place. And then if we can get these remainder games and a final series out the way. So that was Jeeva Mentor uh, with us on the Sporting Capital on uh, Monday night. The Super Netball CEO, Kelly Ryan, was on with Jared Waitley earlier today because I think all the teams 
had been uh, looking to sort of get into Adelaide. And then Adelaide, of course, have gone into lockdown, uh, now trying to get all the teams into Queensland like uh, Super Netball did last year and did very successfully. The one issue is trying to get the Giants out of Sydney into Queensland. Uh, here is Kelly Ryan with Jared today on the challenges that the sport is facing. Look, it's it's a challenge. Um, it, it is incredibly complicated. And I just think, you know, all sports are doing it incredibly tough right now because we just don't have control of something all of a sudden. Um, and we're really just working with so many variables that every day has literally thrown up um, a number of new challenges. There she is, uh, Kelly Ryan, the Super Netball uh, CEO, uh, speaking with Jared uh, Whateley uh, today. A couple coming through uh, since we played that Kieran Perkins audio. A lot of people reminiscing Kieran Perkins' lane eight, 1,500 to win gold. I was playing a footy match uh, during this week, extended our halftime break uh, to listen to the Kieran Perkins uh, race. It is no doubt uh, one of the great memories. I just wanted to read this one out that's uh, come through. I look forward to great moments in the Olympics. Eddie the Eel, French gymnast, Samir said snaps his leg. What was that? I don't remember that one. Cuba Angel Matos kicking the ref in the face. South Korean flag displayed next to the North Korean players. I do remember that. There's a couple there that have, uh, uh, I don't remember, to be totally honest, but I'll uh, jot those down and uh, have a look back. Uh, Sometimes your memory certainly uh, escapes you. Uh, Let's uh, take a break. We've got a lot more to come between now and 8 o'clock, and we'll take some live Olympics coverage uh, later on tonight. The Matildas will be in action against uh, New Zealand, and we're going to bring that to you from after uh, 9 o'clock. The Olympic Games, I'm starting to feel a bit enthusiastic about it, I've got to say. We're going to have the coverage here on ECM, which is going to be brilliant across the next fortnight. The Sporting Capital on SEN, your home of sport. Welcome back to the Sporting Capital. Of course, uh, we will get into the driver's seat after uh, 8 o'clock. We'll take some live Olympic coverage with the Matildas coming up after uh, 9 tonight. I'll get back to a few of your temper texts uh, very, very uh, shortly. But uh, here at SEN, we've entered into a, a terrific uh, campaign with uh, Lululemon to promote their men's shorts campaign, unrestricted performance, uh, technical shorts for stretching your performance no matter what you put them through. And I've been having a look uh, online just during the break, uh, some uh, fantastic uh, products that they have. One of the ambassadors is Faris LaFox, of course, uh, Australian boxer, WBA Oceania champion, Australasian champion. Uh, born in uh, France, of course, but he's been plying his trade in Australia for a large number of years now. Hey, Paris, it's, uh, Faris, I should say, it's great to have you on the show. Great to be here with you guys. Thank you so much. Tell us uh, a bit about how you've got involved with uh, Lululemon. Uh, how are going to get involved with Lululemon? Well, uh, one of my close friends actually worked for Lululemon and she was always like... Uh, asking me to come to the store to like come and try and uh, after a year I ended up to go to the store and uh, I tried some of the outfit and I was just amazed to be honest. So just give us a, a bit of a feel of how it helps you uh, in your sport of uh, boxing, uh, Ferris. So I, I do boxing, I do a lot of martial arts, yep. I do like mixed martial arts that involve like striking, kicking, rolling, grappling, so quite intense and 
I always got this idea of Lululemon, like I was thinking more about yoga. And I didn't know I will translate to my, my type of activity, my type of sports. Mm-hmm. I knew I would get the flexibility and like, so I try and what I was amazed is like, obviously you got the flexibility, but like uh, this, this, this thing of freedom, you know, like I get, I get to move, I get to kick and you're not feeling like restricted by your clothes. It's nice. Uh, it's, it's a must. Beautiful. For martial artists, it's a must. Sounds absolutely uh, ideal. What are you up to at the moment? Tell us where you're at with uh, uh, your boxing, of course, and what you've been up to uh, just, I suppose, through the last 12 to 18 months through COVID. It's made it a lot tougher, hasn't it, to compete? Yeah, it's, it's been really tough, like with COVID, for like I think all the athletes. Like you try to train, you try to get ready, you just wait for the call and. Uh, I was lucky enough, blessed enough to get a call in March to fight for the WBA title. That got me, uh, I won the fight. I got ranked number number six in the world, which is amazing. Mm. So, yeah. Outstanding. And you've done a bit of work as well with uh, Taylor Harris, who we've known through AFLW circles here. She's made such a big impression in women's football, but we've also seen her get into the boxing ring. Tell us about your association with uh, Taylor. So Taylor, I remember I met Taylor like a few years ago. She was uh, doing boxing as a cross training between her foodie season. And uh, I remember like just holding past her. I was surprised because uh, as an athlete, she's got like this incredible power. I was holding past for her. I was like, who's this girl? She can hit like a guy, you know? And we, we worked together. We got her some exhibition fights. And she just like, she just showed she had like a huge potential she went to the pro the pro game and she just uh, smashed her way through the yeah. till the national title. She won those flying titles. It was amazing. Yep. I mean, it's, she's pretty talented, isn't it? To be good at two sports is quite remarkable. I mean, we've seen plenty of people across the journey be able to master uh, a couple of sports. So, yeah, maybe uh, yeah, bigger yeah. and better things to come for her, it seems. Yeah, 100%. I always be amazed by it. It's not everybody that can actually like master... Being an athlete in like dual sports is actually quite hard because mm. obviously a sport like boxing is full on, it's full time sports. You have to spend the time and like the work that they ask you at a foodie training too is full on, but she, she managed to balance it. So, absolutely. To work with her, with her is great. Ferris, I'm loving the uh, French accent. In fact, I read a quote where you said Australia had always fascinated me, so I booked a direct flight to Cairns to scuba dive in the Great Barrier Reef shortly after. I also found love for this big country. I was taken back by the warmth, honesty and humour of the Australian people. Yes, yes, that's, that's so true. I, I, I came here to... I came here on a working visa just to, like, uh, just to stay for three, four months and it's been 11 years. I'm still, like, uh, still loving the place. It's a hard country to leave, isn't it? Ferris, once you come to Australia, it's uh, it's damn hard to leave. It is, it is. Well, we we got we we are blessed. We got everything here. Yep. The weather, the people. We we are. The only I think the only thing that that can be annoying is like we're so far away from everything. <laughs> yes, I like, know. Uh, yeah. But sometimes it's a good thing. Like when you think about like this, what what's happening right now with the COVID. Mm. Uh, I think we. Like I, when I talk to my family in France or other people in Europe, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's really hard over there. I mean, it's hard for us too, but it's a different level. Yeah, no doubt. Like, uh, 
It's just the times we're in. Hey, great to catch up with you. So Lululemon, of course, technical shorts engineered for unrestricted performance. You're certainly endorsing them. They certainly help you in uh, your sport, uh, Ferris. And we look forward to seeing you in further competition and keep enjoying uh, Australia here. And it's uh, great to catch up with you on the Sporting Capital tonight. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Varys LaFox, boxer and Lululemon ambassador. So unrestricted technical shorts. I was having a little look online. They're brilliant. Designed for style, comfort and performance. Lululemon.com.au is where you need to head. Make sure you uh, check out the range. A break. We'll come back and uh, tidy up the hour. The Sporting Capital on SEN, your home of sport. Welcome back to the Sporting Capital. We've got a few minutes uh, here before we jump into the driver's seat with Nims Azor and uh, Steve Johnson with special guest, uh, founder of Boost Mobile, Peter Adderton, uh, coming up over uh, the next hour. one three hundred seven three six seven three six or on the uh, text 0433981116. Sorry, BP, I had to turn you off. What? I need to put my greyhound bets on for the night and listening to your show diverts my attention. <laughs> That's okay, you can turn me off. You can turn me off any time. Uh, I hope uh, it is a successful uh, night for you. One on the text here. Brett, why would Mitchell go for the Collingwood job if he knew he would be the Hawthorne coach? Well, he didn't know totally. Not totally. Clarkson certainly said to him, and Sam said it in the interview with Jared today, that that would be a great scenario for me to hand over the reins to you one day, possibly. But there was no set year on it. There was no absolute guarantee. But it was, hey, we've had a great journey as player coach. I know you've got coaching aspirations. Go and have a look at a different environment, which you did at West Coast. 2018, Clarkson rings Sam Mitchell and says, let's get you back to Hawthorne now, and then we'll set the path for you. And then, of course, it was, what, last year? that he said to Sam, I reckon you should go and coach Box Hill. So you're coaching your own right, your own team, there for a couple of years, which will really just mould you nicely as a coach. Sam digested that and took it on. And I think you heard it in the interview with Jared today. He's loved that role. Obviously, this has been pretty tough through COVID with the VFL season stopped starting. But anyone who's seen the the behind-the-scenes vision of the relationship he's building with those young players. So coach Box Hill in the VFL, Take on that head of development because in about 18 months, two years' time, those young guys that you're grooming, they're going to be the core of your side and the real nucleus when you take over in uh, 2023. So let's uh, let this one just play out. Absolutely let it uh, play out and we'll see what unfolds. But two gentlemen who are loyal to Hawthorne, who want... Hawthorne to keep flourishing as a football club, I've got a feeling they will prove everyone wrong. All the negative naysayers who are saying this cannot work. Well, one example doesn't mean another example is not going to work. Uh, And it's not certainly a direct comparison to the uh, Ruse-Longmire situation. That was unique because Paul Ruse did want to stand down. He was ready to finish his tenure at uh, the Swans. So he did instigate it. And that has worked. So it's a different scenario, certainly, because Alistair Clarkson certainly hadn't indicated or put out there in the public uh, uh, spectrum that he wanted to stand down 
as coach. But we know no coaching um, tenure can last forever. And since they won that last premiership, Hawthorne in 2014, it's been a pretty lean period. So when do you when do you make that call as a football club? I mean, yes, he has been the best coach of the last 20 years, but you can't necessarily uh, coach forever. So the Hawthorne board and the administration have to uh, certainly uh, make the uh, call on that. So that rounds us out tonight. The driver's seat with Nims uh, coming up after 8 o'clock. We're going to take in the Matildas uh, tonight, live coverage of their Group G match against New Zealand. So we'll start our Olympic coverage. The opening ceremony, of course, will be uh, coming up on uh, Friday night and then into a full-blown competition. But a day where Sam Mitchell has spoken, you can hear that full interview at sen.com.au, podcasted through the Waitley program. A day where, of course, Jake Stringer has signed on for three years, three additional years at the Bombers. David Mundy has extended his contract for a further year at the Fremantle Dockers. There's lots of news going around. Milwaukee, the NBA champions. The Australian cricketers with a great win against the West Indies and a whole lot more. So coming up next, the driver's seat with Nims Azor and Steve Johnson. Special guest, founder of Boost Mobile, Peter Adderton. They also are going to be on SENZ as well for the first time for the Kiwis. That's next. Hey, Paris, it's, uh, Faris, I should say, it's great to have you on the show. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.